Thank you, Lord. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. We give you the adoration in the name of Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for the grace and the privilege to come in this place, in this fashion, in this manner, to come and serve you, to come and worship you. We just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand and praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Glory to Jesus. Amen. Uh, let's read Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. Amen. While standing. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. If racing against, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If racing against mere man makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Let's pray, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. We bless your word. We thank you for anointing it. We thank you for blessing this word. We thank you that it will speak to us prophetically once more again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Give one person an elbow. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We may be seated. Amen. Amen. And glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Uh, this Sunday and uh, next Sunday, it's a special program, hallelujah. Uh, in other words, we are short, amen, because it's people are on holiday, but we who don't have villages, we are still here in Joburg, hallelujah. So we will keep things short, amen, hallelujah, so that we can have uh, restaurants and uh, shops and our homes to ourselves, amen. I forget, I forgot it's COVID, amen, that you don't have to go to these uh, other places, amen. But anyway, we have the city to ourselves, amen. Uh, it's safe, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Allow me to give you a background of the scripture that we read for Jeremiah chapter 12, uh, verse 5, amen. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. I just want to give you the background in terms of what is uh, happening or what actually happened. Amen. The background here, if you go to Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 23, you'll see the, the following. Not one of these plotters from Anatoth will survive, for I will bring disaster upon them when their time of punishment comes. Amen. Now, here uh, the prophet Jeremiah, the servant of God, hallelujah, you'll begin to understand that he was hired and appointed uh, by God to be the prophet, amen, in the nation of Israel, hallelujah. The prophet prophesies about the past, about the present, and about the future. So prophecies at that level, it's it has to do with history, it has to do with the present, and it has to do with the future. So any good prophet is able to articulate the history in terms of the things of God, but it's also able to articulate what's happening in the present, but it's also able to articulate what will happen in the future. Hallelujah. So prophecy is not just about telling the future. Hallelujah. So Jeremiah was that type of a prof uh, prophet 
who understood the past, the present, and the future. Hallelujah. As he was called by God to do that. Amen. Now, at verse 23 says, Not one of the plotters from Anatoth will survive, for I will bring upon them upon them when their time of punishment comes. So in other words, here God is saying to the prophet uh, Jeremiah that there will come a time that these people of Anatoth will be uh, punished, hallelujah, for their sins. They were uh, uh, doing terrible things that we can't even uh, uh, mention. But not only that, they were even planning to bring down the servant of God. Hallelujah. You can see there's nothing new. Hallelujah. Even today, the people who are living in wickedness, people who are living uh, in sin, hallelujah, plotting against the things of the Lord, who are plotting against the servants of the Lord. And I'm not even talking about that. I'm just giving you the background of the scripture that we read. So, 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 but God had already made a promise that these plotters, their destiny, their end is sure. They are going to be punished. They are going to be dealt with at an appointed time. So, in other words, at any given time when you see the unrighteous, the ungodly, the sinners flourishing and doing well, it does not mean that God is with them. What it means, it means that the grace of God is there in their life. In other words, God is giving them time to repent, to change their ways. It does not mean they are actually blessed. Hallelujah. Because there is an appointed time for their punishment. So when you further read, you'll understand that Jeremiah, what chapter 12, verse 1 to 4, he goes to complain uh, to God regarding the ungodly. He says, these people who are ungodly, you must look at verse 1 to 4 of Jeremiah chapter 12, that these ungodly people, they are flourishing. These ungodly people, they are prospering. Doesn't it sound like uh, today? Hallelujah. You know, there are certain people with certain lifestyles. Hallelujah. They have the things that you want. Hallelujah. They live the life you want. Hallelujah. They wear the labels you want. Hallelujah. They live in houses you want. Hallelujah. You know that. And we church people look like we are lost. Hallelujah. It looks like God is not with us. Who knows what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. So, so Jeremiah was complaining about that. That these people don't care about you, but they are even planning against me. They are even planning about bringing the church down, but look at them, they are prospering, and it's you, God. And it's right, because everything happens because of the grace of God. It happens because God allowed it to happen. So when people are living certain lifestyles, and they even come to church and they are prospering, doesn't mean they are on the right. So in other words, the presence of things in your life does not indicate the presence of God in your life. What it indicates is that God is still gracious to you. But there will come a point, a time that is appointed, whereby the grace of God will run out. And then you get punished. So he'll allow them to flourish for as long as possible to give them an opportunity to repent. But most of them, they think it is a stamp of approval. So every time they get things, they say, no, God is in agreement with their lifestyle. No, not at all. Hallelujah. It's because he's giving them time. Hallelujah. So it says here, there is an appointed time for their punishment. So Jeremiah complained and all those things and everything. And what I love is verse 5. God answers the complaint from Jeremiah. 
But the way God answers Jeremiah is amazing. It's outstanding. He, he answers the way only God could answer. God does not address the complaint. He doesn't address what he said about their prosperity and success and flourishing and everything. is. He doesn't address those things. He addresses Jeremiah himself. Uruena Jeremiah, stop looking at other people. The worst is still to come. Hallelujah. So now, you must read this Jeremiah 12 verse 5 once more again on your own time meditate upon it think about it It says if racing against mere men makes you tired how will you race against horses that's an answer he's complaining that they are succeeding they're doing well and they're ungodly and God says if you get tired of racing against men what about when you have to race against horses that's I mean, that um, figure of speech, all right, or that um, metaphor, it's, it needs a high level of understanding of the Bible to encode this. Hallelujah. So I must put a disclaimer. I am not going to make justice on this. I'm going to scratch on the surface, but that's a good point to start. What I will do on the 31st, I think we'll have a service, and then we'll finish before cutoff time, meaning you must be home by 10 o'clock or something like that. So we'll have it in the evening. Hallelujah. This year, I'll finish on the scripture and by then I'll have done uh, justice. Hallelujah. So, but what's important here is to realize that God answers Jeremiah in this rather unique way. Hallelujah. In other words, you want to understand God and you want answers for everything. This is 2020, I get it. We are finishing 2020 in a way we will want to start uh, 2021, isn't it? But God is not really interested in giving you answers to all your questions. Because he wants you to trust and believe in him always. So in other words, not all your complaints deserve an answer from God. Not all your complaints require an answer from God. Because all that God wants from you, prophet Jeremiah, he wants you to have faith in him and to trust in him. He says, if you can race with me, amen, what is going to happen the day where you have to race with the horses? Because he's saying it's going to get worse. If you did not prosper in 2020 during COVID-19, 2021 is coming and nobody promised you that it's going to be an easy year. How are you going to prosper if this level you struggled? God is saying on your own, you can't make it. You must trust in me because you are going to be required at some point to compete with the chariots, to compete with the horses, and you don't have it in you to compete with the horses. You have failed competing with mere men. In other words, 2020 was nothing. The West is still coming. You can make, you can make a note of that. You can make a note. That's prophetic already there. I'm saying, let me repeat, the West is still coming. Some of you saying they found a vaccine. I'll stand here now and tell you the West is still coming. It's a difficult one to say. We are praying for the best to come.
better days are coming ahead, but there's still another level of this thing that's still going to happen. If you're reading the news already, they're saying there's another strain. They're calling a variation. It's just telling you that we are not out of the woods here. We are not out of the woods. Even if you can trust on the vaccine, it's not going to help. God is calling us to trust and believe in him. He wants us to have faith in him. Until the church of Jesus Christ have faith in God, it's still going to be tough out there. I know you wanted good news, but that's the good news. You will learn to run during COVID-19. You will learn to do the things of God during COVID-19. When you graduate, you will flourish in a worse situation than this. We have never seen this before. No, no, this has never happened in the world. It's a big tragedy. This is painful. This is sad. Nobody was prepared for this. But God says, be aware. You need to still do well during these difficult times. Because there are other difficult times awaiting. But his church will flourish. Hallelujah. Before you call me a prophet of doom, let me give you the good news of the morning. Hallelujah. Amen. You make a note of what I told you. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Hallelujah. Amen. Mm, amen. Somebody must tell the truth. Amen. I was like, Lord, I need to tell people the nice things, but it says, tell them the truth. 2020 was to prepare you for what still has to come. Amen. My title is rather, I don't know what, Apples and Oranges. Apples and Oranges. That's my title for the day. Shall I repeat that? Apples and Oranges. That's my title. I don't know why I decided on that, but let's start the message. I was just giving you background, remember? Amen. Now the definition of Apples and Oranges. This statement or rather line or rather phrase is used with reference to two things that are fundamentally different therefore not suited for comparison shall i repeat so this phrase is used for things that are totally different and they are not suited for comparison in other words these two things cannot be compared Hallelujah. So apples and oranges, that's what I want to talk about. So if I don't repeat the line, just know I'm, I'm, I'm talking about two things that should never be compared. Because they are not the same. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, don't forget the line I gave you. Never forget Jeremiah 12 verse 5. Amen. And that will be the scriptures we read for the day, meaning the sermon is short. Amen. Hallelujah. Number one, the sin of benchmarking. Let me study this way. One of our finest comedians in this country. I just don't like it when he swears. But one of our best uh, exports in this country said something very profound the other day. I was listening to him on radio. Uh, somewhere in New York, of course. Hallelujah. Don't tell me what I was doing there. Hallelujah. But I was listening to him on radio. And then uh, he says, they say, have you ever dreamt of achieving things at this level? He says, no, you know what? 
I've never really had dreams or I've never really thought about life in, in terms of dreams. He says, the thing with dreams is this. They put a cap. They put limitation because dreams are generally influenced by what you already know. So they limit you. He says, only when you know what's out there, you can dream bigger. So as long as you don't know what's out there, your dreams will always be limited. Hallelujah. Unless they are from God. That's the only perspective he did not give because of his... But the man of God will say, unless the dream is from God, it will always have limitation. In other words, you can't dream big and make it because your big dreams could be very shallow in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. Amen. So that is why I want to talk about a sin of benchmarking before I give you the really juicy, juicy stuff. So the problem with dreams is that they are framed by the known and therefore they always introduce a sense of limitation of some kind of a glass ceiling. There's a problem with uh, uh, dreams, all right? Is that God wants to do something that has never entered our hearts. He wants to do something that has never been in our mind. He wants to do something that we have never seen before. But for him to do that, we can't limit God to benchmarks. We can't benchmark what God is doing in your life. We can't benchmark what God is doing in my life. Jeremiah's problem was that he was benchmarking what God was doing in his life to those of those enemies of his or those people who were plotting against him. When he compared himself to them, they looked like they were achieving and flourishing. And God says to him, don't benchmark. Don't compare yourself because you are limiting what I can do for you. So now, in 2020, don't limit what God can do in your life with what has happened in your life in relation to what has already happened in the lives of others. I'm helping you here. We are dealing with a demon. We are dealing with a sin here. Stop comparing yourself to other people. The long and the short of it. Because as long as you are comparing yourself with other people, you are limiting God. Who said that is the highest level you could be? You can't benchmark yourself in relation to other people, including Christians. Allow them to inspire you, but never benchmark. Let no man be a standard for you in your generation. To the point that you complain and you lose the gratitude for God. You lose your praise. You lose your garment of praise because of benchmarking. Because now, if you are to look carefully at what has happened in your life in 2020, you will begin to realize that indeed the hand of the Lord was upon you. But because you are busy benchmarking against others, you are not able to see what God has done in your life in 2020. And therefore, you are not ready for 2021 until you see the goodness of the Lord for 2020. When when you begin to see what God has done in your life, it means you are ready to race with the horses. You are ready, you are ready now to compete at a higher level. 
But as long as you see and you compare yourself with mere human beings, you are in trouble. Oh, Jesus. The sin of benchmarking. It determines your altitude. Don't benchmark yourself. In a sense that you are scored based on the norm. Benchmarking determines your altitude. Why? Because you are standardized on the norm. But God wants to do what is the unknown in your life. And therefore, it is a sin to want to live a life of the known. Faith is having that evidence of things that are sin. We are the people of God. We must always believe for the unknown to manifest in our lives. In other words, we are able to say to people, you have not seen anything as yet in my life. Don't even look down on me because God is working something big in my life. But if you are going to compare yourself with other people, you are going to be discouraged like Jeremiah. You'll even go to the presence of God with the complaints. But now the trick here or the clever thing to do here is to realize God is calling you to a higher level of living, a level of faith whereby you trust and you believe him. In other words, don't benchmark your life with 2020. Everything that has happened here means nothing. It's just a beginning. It's going to get worse. Living the life of the kingdom requires us to live outside the system of the world. Therefore, we can have a standard. Don't be conformed to the standards of this world by renewing of your mind. You have to have a new mind. You have to have a new way of looking at things. Because we don't live in the same system. Jesus says, these disciples of mine, they are not of the world, but I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. So we will be here in this world, but we operate with the keys of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. So we follow the principles of the kingdom of God. That's very, very important. Amen. Principle number one, and that's the only one for the day. Things of the kingdom cannot be benchmarked at least by human beings. It, it took me maturity to put this line together. I, I put this line together. It took a high level of maturity. I'm very competitive in nature. I want to compete. I want to be the best. But for me to grow up and come to that level, to realize that the things of the kingdom of God can be benchmarked. I can't look at another preacher my age and say I should be there. No. I can't look at a younger preacher and say I'm supposed to be ahead of him. No. Things of God can be benchmarked. It means success in your personal space can be benchmarked by anyone. So no one should be telling you of which we should go back and correct our sermons, most of us preachers, that you should not be benchmarking yourself with 
at the times of men. That at age this, you should be this. At age this, you should be this. People like Moses got into their calling at age 80. Meaning for eight years, he lived like a failure in the eyes of men. But we also have young men like David at age 16. They were up there. Their profiles were high. You can't benchmark the things of God, what I'm trying to say. You can't standardize them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Other people like Jesus, they finished their ministries at 33. By then, some have not even started their ministry. Because you can't benchmark the things of God. Hallelujah. In other words, you can't compare the things of the kingdom of God with the things of the kingdom of darkness. As soon as somebody is not born again, don't even try and compare. Don't even try and compete. The problem we do, you want to compete with people who are not born again. You are comparing apples and oranges. Yes, they are all fruits. We are all the children of God. We are all made in the image and the likeness of God. But it is not the same fruit. Another one is an apple. Hallelujah. Precious in the eyes of God. And another one is just an orange. Hallelujah. Of course, it's sweet. Amen. Hallelujah. But they are fruit, but they are not the same. Hallelujah. But not only that, you can't even compare yourself with others in the kingdom of God because the purpose of God for your life is not the same purpose of God for the next person. Agufani, no matter you are in the kingdom of God, everybody is unique and special in the eyes of God. Born for a specific task, born for a specific assignment. It's completely different. You can't compare us. My path in the ministry is not the same like anybody else. No one will ever walk in my shoes. No one will be able to put their, their feet in my shoes and manage to stand because my path is unique. But let me tell you, I will never be able to put my, 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 my feet in anybody's shoes because I am not designed for their shoes because those shoes are unique and specific for so and so and not me. Hallelujah. And and that is why it's very important to discover what God has called you for. I've been looking and looking at our path for ministry and I realized I don't have any models of what I went through in ministry. It's, I've never seen it anywhere. And I know that it's just for me. And I looked at others, how they went, and I go like, there was no way I was going to survive what they went through. Because it was not for me. But I know they'll never survive what we went through because it's not for them. I don't know if you, you get what I'm trying to say. So all of us, we must, as soon as we can, get to know which one are we, an apple or an orange. Hallelujah. And that's not important, by the way. Just know what is your assignment. Just know what is your mandate. Just know what God wants you to do. Hallelujah. Amen. So stop telling others banaba bamba it's a so so baruti bamba it's a so so the engineered in it's a so so it's not important. You are a specific individual and you must be treated as such. And therefore, the way you raise your children must be unique. The the way you run your family must be unique. 
And Tombi, your house, your family is not pastor's house. It's not the same. So stop trying to run your house like my house. And my house is not Pastor Soren Soul's house. I am not going to run my house like their house because there is a way that God wants me to live and to run my life. And my job when I come to church is not to make you clones of Pastor A, but is to show you how unique you are and how to walk in the path that God has designed for you. Because if you fail to discover your path, you are going to complain like Jeremiah. And such complaints of comparison, they don't deserve an answer. You just need that line that if you have failed to run with mere men, how will you compete with horses? The Bible I read does tell me that we human beings, when we are in our lane, when we are operating in our prophetic purpose that has been designed by God. We can run with men, but we can also run with horses and outrun them. I am reminded of the servant of God, Elijah, under the influence and the power of the Holy Ghost because he was in his lane, because he was in his purpose, because he was not comparing himself with Ahab or anyone, because he was not comparing himself with anything. The Bible says he outran the horses and the chariots of the king because when you are anointed by God and blessed by God, you will operate in another level, in another dimension that can be benchmarked, that cannot be compared to any dimension or to anyone's dimension. It will be your own lane. It will be your only unique way. So I am not saying be limited. I'm saying there's another dimension that God wants for you. You can run with the horses and outrun them when you are in your lane. But when you are not in your lane, you won't even compete with the horses. A man of God who is in his lane in 2020, he will flourish in the midst of challenges. Come 2021, he will flourish. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd rather operate in my lane. That is why I'm not self-seeking or self-promoting. I am not even interested in preaching in conferences or going to... I just want to do what God has called me to do. Hallelujah. The day he makes it clear that I need to run around and go to churches, maybe. But for now, I'm just focused on what God has given me. On what God has allowed me to lead. He has given me capacity for X number of people at the moment. All I have to do is to do exceedingly well with that capacity in preparation for the race with the horses. It's God. So whatever God has given you is sufficient for where you are. Do the best you can with what God has given you without comparing yourself with anyone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that is why I know we are still functioning today as a church. During this time, Many have fallen on the wayside. 
because maybe they started ministries comparing themselves with others. If so and so can get into the ministry, I can also get into the ministry. That was a wrong attitude. If so and so can get a tender, I can also get a tender. If so and so can get a degree, I can also get a degree. If so and so can buy a Mercedes, I can also buy a Mercedes. If so and so can buy a triple story house, I can also buy a triple story house. If so and so can, if so and so can, I can. That's a wrong way of doing things. You run your own race and be satisfied with what God has ordained for you. Hallelujah. In the event your path is similar to another's praise the lord for that but you'll soon discover that it's never similar when you begin to look carefully it's always unique mm, thank you jesus why am i talking about this we are in the season of thanksgiving we are in a season of remembering jesus but I've noticed that people in the season, there's a temptation to benchmark yourself against others. Don't do that. Others this year, God blessed with houses in this church. Others this year, God blessed with cars in this church. Others in this church, God new jobs, God new promotion, God's what. Don't compare yourself to any of that. That is not your path. While when I are looking at new cars, maybe when God has put an helicopter for you. While you are looking at helicopter, maybe he has put an aeroplane for you. Or a spaceship. Or the company that owns those things. Don't limit yourself to that. That will be a wonderful story that you lived your entire life without owning a car, but you died owning a company that manufactures electric vehicles. That's a better story. So stop crying for things in between. They are not important. And therefore, never despise a person who is in process. As long as somebody is under construction, never look down on them. As long as God is working in them, never look down on them. I remember people came into this church and some said, I'm weak. Where are they? I'm still here. Despising a person who's under process. They could have been patient and stopped comparing me to other people. Hallelujah. I don't know who hears what I'm trying to say. Hmm? But you know, this one, this little wall, you know, if a fox touched this one, is going to fall. Really, it's still standing comparing because we did not meet certain criteria. Eh? We could not tick certain boxes. Just like you. But when I tell Bosheba, you don't have the looks. Hmm? You don't have the lingo. You don't dress like them. But key on a little. What happened? Never compare yourself. Never fall for the standards of this world. And therefore, Never discourage, criticize any child of God who's in process. And should I tell you who's in process? You want to know? I am. You are. Until you sign off this world, nobody should criticize you. In other words, never accept criticism from anybody regarding what you are doing for your God. Regarding what you are doing in line with the will of God. Never allow. When I stay in your lane, be grounded, do what you believe is the right thing for you to do. At the right time, 
he will lift you up. You will run with the horses and outrun them. If you have to go to the house, you will be able to go to the Hallelujah. How hard has it been to get 2020? What I want to I'm just asking you if things are the way they are today, will you manage when it gets worse? And my challenge stay in your lane. And I want to help you. How can you do that? It's very easy. Should I help you? Let me tell you, as I'm learning and learning, I look at other churches, I study them, and there's this temptation to do as they do. But God says, no, I've called you as a unique individual. Don't copy what they're doing. Be inspired, but don't even try and copy. Don't try anything they're doing. It's not for you, it's for them. You understand? He says, I am the one who brings the increase. Regarding business or running the family, at the end of the day, prosperity comes from the Lord. Therefore, align yourself with the will and the purpose of God. Hallelujah. We know them who try to go to universities thinking that they'll have good life. They never survive six months because university was never meant for them anyway. They were in the wrong place. Hallelujah. Amen. They could have went to another training institution. They'll have done well. Hallelujah. And vice versa. Hallelujah. Amen. Who hears what I'm trying to say? So it's very, very important to understand how things work in the kingdom of God. That you are unique. And Batswadi, Tolokhale Mamba, Nakabana Baba, Romonis Mamang, Ujuang. Hey, one how as this Mamang. Special and Lolo Comparabanaka two. I'm gonna buy two or three or four or five. Stop comparing them, they are not the same. Treat them individually. If you do that, that will be good. And therefore, stop comparing my child with your children here at church. She's unique, amen. Amen. I thought I might just talk for her also. Amen. She's unique, amen. And so is your child, amen. Because that's a mistake people do. You have to understand this message from a very broader context. That it, it filters to all aspects of life. You have to treat them differently because they are not the same. They are different and you must treat them differently. Others, they like it when you smile. Others, they don't like smiling parents. They say you are not serious. Amen. Whichever way, you know parents, you get what I'm trying to say. So you have to spend more time understanding them. And treat them accordingly, not to favor them, okay? I'm not saying favor others over the others. What I'm trying to say, understand them and talk at their level. And that's what I try to do with everybody. There are some of you, I won't even try and say hello to you. You know why? Because I might just offend you. Amen? So, so and others, I will even share jokes because I can see we can relate at that level. So we have to have that skill and ability to treat people as individuals and stop boxing people into one box and say, see, fine. No. Amen. Life will be boring if we are all similar. Amen. We are washed by the same blood of Jesus, but our purpose is not the same. Amen. Good. Hallelujah. And when I hear, stop comparing me with Pastor so and so. Amen. 
Go to his church if you like him so much and stop converting me to be like him. Amen. Hey, amen. The doors are open. Even if it's overseas, buy yourself one-way ticket. Go and live in that country. Amen. And stop converting us to be what we are not. Amen. I mean, I was listening a spe- uh, on the, to a speech by one of the people, one of the oldest actors. He wear two earrings. I think you know him. White hair. Hallelujah. That man speaks well. Hey. And I noticed he doesn't do the antics that you people do in church. He was standing still. But he was captivating. And I said, this is somebody who knows himself. Now, in the church, we all want to talk the same way. And no wonder we are not captivating. Even if we have the drama, be yourself. And that way, you might be effective in what you are doing. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. I mean, one of the biggest flop, one church, I think it's in Australia. They've done very well in music. They came here in South Africa. And then they tried to do their type of music in Zulu. What a flop album, I must tell you. Because that thing is nice in English. You can't Zulify it. Hallelujah. This music full of guitars and what, what. And people jumping, come on, come on, come on. You know, it, it works nice in English, you know. But when you are going Zulu, there's a way we have to do it. Because it's unique. Amen. We can't have a blended thing. And that is why we who start churches, when we get into an area, we must not impose the culture of where we are coming from. We must understand the uniqueness of the people we are talking to and talk to them at their own level, in their own language, in their own understanding. My brothers in Venda, you understand what I'm talking about. There's no need to preach in English when you are there. Hallelujah. When everybody's Venda speaking. Hallelujah. That's not the language of the gospel. Hallelujah. You send me to Lesotho, I can tell you I won't even utter a single word in English. I'll stick to Lesotho and get an English interpreter rather for the two people who don't understand Lesotho. Hello? You understand? But this thing of benchmarking, this thing of wanting to be, you want to sound like somebody who's in a very different context. You want to run businesses like you are in Europe when you're in South Africa. Amen. Hmm? Amen. Glory to God. Let's finish the message. I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. Because that's the only way you can avoid the sin of benchmarking. That's the only way you can be patient in the presence of the Lord. That's the only way you can stop comparing things. That's the only way you can stop comparing apples to oranges. That's the only way when you fix your eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Amen, amen, amen. We'll finish Jeremiah the, other, the next day or the other day, all right? But for today, I want you to learn that you need to focus on Jesus and not the standards of the world. There's a reason why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. There's a reason why. So that you don't lose focus. So that you don't have to sink. The Bible teaches us that Peter could walk on water as long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus. As soon as he looked around his environment, as soon as he looked at the standard of the waves, he sank. Some of you, you failed in 2020 not because God was not with you, because you were looking at the standards of COVID-19. 
if you had ignored the standards of COVID-19 and looked at the standards of God, you could have been far. You, 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 you went like, I COVID-19, I'm not starting a business. That's why you don't have a business. People started businesses during COVID-19. The other day I was reading and listening to 702, I think. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a radio station, if you don't know. Hallelujah. And uh, one former CEO from an airline started an airline during COVID. Literally between March and now in November. Or now in December. He started an airline. During lockdown. The plane flew, went to George. Hallelujah. We're not going to Corona. But there is cards. Others are started businesses. Amen. And they're not even believers. They understand that they don't have to benchmark their lives with the standards of the COVID-19. And I'm encouraging you as a child of God today, fix your eyes on Jesus. And COVID-19 will never pull you down. You will flourish. Come 2021, you will flourish. Hallelujah. Mm. Because there's a danger when you look at how God is doing things in the lives of other people. I think I've already told you. A lot of things that are happening in the lives of other people is just because of the grace of God. He's giving them extension and therefore you can't compete with the grace of God. grace. So this is what I want you to see. Rather, yeah, to note of the non-believer sees the extension of God's grace daily as God allows prosperity in their lives. Is the extension of his grace. So the non-believer sees that. They prosper because God allowed them. So that's the grace of God. It does not make them righteous. It's an extension of his grace. All right? Giving them enough time to repent. But you as a believer, on the other hand, you need to realize for you to partake in the grace of God. You need to partner with God. Work in tandem with God. Work in tandem with the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, the word tandem, what it means, who, have you seen those big trucks, the 18 wheelers, have you seen them? Or even the short trucks, okay? They'll have... Um, Two, uh, two wheels in front, okay? And eight wheels at the back, okay? Two wheels next to each other. That's called a tandem drive, okay? And I think, basically, it's when things are working together at the same time, not competing. Like, let's say, if it's moving, move together, like, pulling together. So, you as a believer, you don't necessarily experience the extension of God's grace, but rather you appropriate the grace of God by working in tandem with the grace of God, with the anointing of God, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus Christ, with the power of God. You work in tandem with them. In other words, you work together with God. Hallelujah. Who hears what I'm trying to say? So in other words, you must get to another level as a believer whereby you work with God. Whereby God is no longer working for you, but you work with him. The Bible says the disciples went about preaching the gospel and God or uh, uh, Jesus working with them. 
and that's a promise, by the way. If you go out and preach the gospel, the, the Bible says he will be with you when you preach the gospel. Doesn't matter. You can't say somebody preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, they're not anointed. That's the minimum requirement. You preach the gospel, Jesus will be with you to preach. So be careful when you criticize other people because you are actually criticizing God. They are working with God at the dimension he has allowed them to operate in. Maybe they are still running with men. Don't forget Elijah, he used to be in the cave at some point running away. But when the power came upon him, he left that cave and he outran those uh, horses. Miss call. As a believer, you move into a dimension where you run out of luck. I had to read that one out. Should I repeat that? As a child of God, you get to a point whereby you run out of luck because you don't need any luck. Hi, Shemi. As a banyabandu, or 2020, banay like. Also, you compare all about. You are a believer. You have run out of luck. <laughs> you know why? Because you as a believer, you must create successive breakthroughs for yourself. Win where you are. Succeed where you are. Do well where you are. Mm-hmm. This guy comes over here. He says, I'm a bandler. I'm a bandler. I'm a bandler. I'm a bandler. I'm a do well there. Amen. And that is why I have a problem of this God that makes people successful in cities. Or that makes people successful in South Africa. I have, I have a serious problem with that God. Or why can't you succeed in Malawi? Hey, why do you have to be successful? Yeah, why can't you succeed in America? You know, a, a person is an unknown entity in America. When they get into South Africa, suddenly they are trading. I have a problem with that God. He's not a fair God. But I like a God, and that's the one I worship, that is not controlled by where I am. That makes me become what he has called me to be, right where I am. The Bible says, Isaac planted in famine, and he prospered in famine. In 2020, during COVID-19, when everybody's complaining about the unrighteous that they are succeeding, there is a group and the breed of believers who are praising God this Christmas, who are saying, Lord, we thank you. We saw your hand in 2020. We saw your miracles in 2020. You have preserved us. You have protected us. You, you have looked after us. There is a breed. Of believers. We'll have to do the purpose of God during the season and achieve every single result that God expected you to produce this year and next year and the year after. Amen. Hmm. So what I just said, you must learn to run now where you are with your eyes fixed on Jesus. Two. Learn to succeed in times of adversity with your eyes fixed on Jesus. Three, learn not to look at the environment and look at Jesus at any given time. Even when the environment is tempting, tempting. Sometimes the grass looks greener on the other side. 
I mean, most of you this time next year, you are looking forward to 2020. Look at what it did to you. You trap in a hood, big. And you have even changed your way you operate. You are now looking forward to 2021. The trick is do well right now where you are. Don't wait for tomorrow. That's the mistake, church. Not even the mistake. That's the gimmick some churches have used to attract you. Kadi 31st, we promise you better things. God is not limited. I don't remember God giving us this way of measuring life. It's our way. Amen. Here's what I'm trying to say. Hmm, what promises they didn't look at you? Now, what are promises happen for next year? We rather tell you the truth. And that, but you can do well in the midst of that adversity. We're now scattered around you. We're not do well. Hallelujah. I mean, if I had believed the statistics, I mean, this is a stat that haunted me for years, okay, when I was at varsity. They said a third or more than a third of students who, who are first-time university or who are going to university for the first time, they drop out. You can imagine here, when you are like a first matriculant in your family now, you find yourself in university. You can just see the odds against you. You have to learn to ignore those. Or I am not part of that stats. I will write a new story. I will write a new stats. Amen. And you have to prove those things wrong. Amen. Glory to God. So we don't know what 2020 has for us. Yet we have learnings from 2020. Learning number one. Chanting and declaring on the 31st won't necessarily bring you prosperity if you don't work together with God. That's what I've learned. Accurate prophecy on the 31st don't guarantee you success in 2021. That's what I've learned. You will need to fold your sleeves, work with God. If you're a pastor listening to me, when others are going for coffee on Monday morning, you might have to go to your church and sweep it. Mm -hmm. You might have to find ways of improving in how you are doing things. Let's leave that. We don't know. Rather, we all don't know what 2020 has for us. Again, I've said that. Ne? Yet we all can cultivate habits that can help us become what God has called us to be. We all can. That's one thing I know. In other words, everything I've said now, you can build capacity to become what God has called you to be. How to complain focus You look at Jesus. Because whatever you do now at this very like I said last week, what you do now will determine how 2021 looks like for you. Not for us, for you. Hallelujah. I'm talking about that level. Hallelujah. Therefore, you will have to learn to win the small battles because it is the small battles that prepare you for the greater ones. As much as I said, it will be tough. Learning to win in 2020, it prepares, it prepares you for greater adversity. 
In the small battles you win daily, you discover that the battle is the Lord's and it is not yours. You discover that the victory belongs to Jesus. What are the small uh, 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 battles you need to overcome quickly? Hallelujah, as we prepare to uh, close the message. You need to learn to be a person of gratitude, not easy. Preaching to self too, hallelujah. The easiest thing that you can do is to complain and to criticize. It takes no talent and ability. So all of us, we have to learn to develop a habit of gratitude. Be thankful for the breath of God every morning you wake up to realize that God is up to something for giving you another chance than to complain and complain and to mama. The people who never made it to the promised land, it was the people who complained. It was their complaints that cost them their destination. And people who are not making it, I can tell you now, they lack gratitude. Start to realize that you are well dressed today. Yes, you don't compare to the next person, but how did you know that you don't compare to the next person? Because if your eyes were fixed on Jesus, you'll begin to see you are well-dressed. You'll begin to see you are well-fed. Yes, you are not maybe well-fed in terms of physical food, but you have the pastor that's feeding you spiritual food that will give you the capacity to generate your own wealth and be fed well physically. I'd rather sleep hungry but sleep full of the word because I know when I wake up, I will rejoice that this is the day that the Lord has made. I am going to win today. I am going to make it today. I am going to succeed because I am full of the word of God. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Lord. But we are not grateful for that. We complain too much. Hallelujah. Look at the base of the air. Who looks after them? Look at the flowers of the field. Who looks after those flowers? He's talking to you. Apples and oranges. Stop comparing yourself to anyone. And start focusing on Christ. You'll begin to see that Jesus is all that you need. What is the point to sleep with a full stomach, but you are sick to death? You are not even going to make it in the morning. I'd rather sleep healthy, knowing that in the morning I will toil and have food. So, be a person of gratitude. I tried today, things didn't go according to plan, but I still thank you for health. I thank you that I did, not, I did not have to rely on medical aid for the whole year. I thank you, Lord, that I might have lost my job, but at least I did not lose my health because it could have been worse. You have to develop gratitude. You'll have to be thankful for the many things that God has done in your life. All of you, look at you, you all have masks. Thank God for the mask. Hallelujah. Amen. A lot could have gone wrong this year. But because the hand of God was upon you, look at where you are sitting. A lot. 
So God wants you to taste victory in the small things first. So that you can know that victory comes to, uh, from him. And two, God wants you to taste victory in private. So that you can know that you can win in any situation. You see, overcoming private sin. Overcoming the things that trouble you privately. And you overcome them this year in 2020. You are ready for the horses next year. Overcoming the cave experience. Hmm? Where you are being fed by the ravens. When you overcome that experience, you are ready to outrun the horses of Ahab. But no, you don't want to overcome the cave experience. The man of God, three years fled, he was in the cave. Ravens fed him. Maybe some of you today, this year, you'll have to say, God, I don't know what is your raven. Father, I thank you for the ravens of 2020. I thank you that through these ravens uh, I was able to live and to survive COVID-19 and 2021. Come, do you know my CV? Do you know who I am? I'm so and so who overcame 2020 because God brought supply for me in a situation whereby I have already lost hope, but he showed his hand in my life. Aremengamant. Let's stand up as we wrap up the sermon. Public victory is preceded by years of private training. Public victory is preceded by years of private training. One man here in South Africa, a businessman, he says, you call me an overnight success. He says, let me correct you. Let me put words into your mouth. What you are trying to say, you are, you are saying 15 years of hard work. Mishko, they only saw him after 15 years of struggle. 15 years later, he looks like an overnight success. What they don't know, for 15 years, he was building the company when nobody wanted to talk to him, when nobody took him seriously, when they will stood him up, when he goes to meetings and the people don't show up and they'll never even bother to apologize. And then 15 years later, he's one of the finest business people. He's late, by the way. He left many hospitals in this country. He became so successful, but he says, that was 15 years of hard work, what you're calling overnight success. What I'm trying to say to you is this. Public victory is preceded by years of private training. Some of you, you are seeing us now on YouTube, and you're still questioning this. Let's talk 10 years from today. That will be my 15 years. You say, no, you know these guys that will... Do you know the struggles we have to go through? Do you know the difficulties of preaching during COVID? Do you know the challenges of trusting God during the season? That nobody should fall sick in your church? Do you know the struggles? No. You only see the end product. You don't know the days whereby the man of God will sleep at night crying because things are not the way he expected them to be. And I'm talking about the believers in the house of God. You are now calling them overnight success. You know what they had to go through to become what they are. Private training is very important. But the problem in this generation, you want to trend. 
before your time. Don't rush for trending. That is why I deleted all my social media accounts because I realized I am not at that level to trend. For now, I must focus on the basics. And you find people admiring other people's cars trending on social media. And those who have those things don't even have a social account. And maybe it's time to grow up and realize, go into the private, master your trade, master the skills that God wants you to master, and then at the right time, God will lift you up. I can't dodge social media accounts. Somebody will create it at some point for me, and I will not have asked them. Yeah, they do. People do that all, all the time because they think somebody needs to be known now. Amen. Hey, hallelujah. So, as you lift up your hands, as we prepare to pray, I'm saying to you, the God who brought you private victory will give you public victory in 2021. I'm going to repeat myself here. The God that made you victorious in 2020 when no one was looking. In 2021, the victory will be more public. It's going to be more tough, meaning the guys who succeed in that difficult environment, they'll definitely be visible. The God who gave you the small victories to overcome swearing, to overcome certain desires, is the same one who will give you public big victories in 2021. In other words, as we are about to pray, I know that some of you, you conquered the lion in private. You conquered the bear in private. Like young David did. No one was watching. He's, he had the testimony alone. Nobody know what you had to overcome. You don't know what I had to overcome to make sure the church is sustainable this year. You don't know how much I had to trust God. And some of you, we don't know how much you had to trust God. We don't know what you overcame in 2020. All we know is you. We just see you, but we don't know what you overcame. But what I'm saying, the same God that helped you to succeed in private in the following year is going to be tough but when it's tough like that he's going to give you public victories people will begin to see your success people will begin to see your progress People will begin to say, ah, we were wrong about him. Ah, we were wrong about her. Oh, we got it wrong. This person needs our support. We got it wrong. How did we miss this one? How did we fail to fund her or his business? We thought that business is not bankable. But now, no, no, no. Let's find ways. Let's have this person here. We need to fund her because she is or he is bankable. But in 2020, people did not see it that way. And many, many of you here, God did a lot of great things in your life. What I'm asking you as you pray, begin to pray, don't compare apples to oranges. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Begin to see what Jesus has done for you. Begin to see how great God has been to you. 
Begin to see how marvelous God has been to you. He has been awesome in your life. Nothing less really. He has been like perfect, you know. You know, you, you know when you started the year, you were not even sure how things were going to turn out. You thought you were not going to make it. But look at how things worked out for you. Look at how God elevated you in private. Nobody knows about your successes. But the world is about to see your successes very soon. The world is about to see what God has, has been working on on the background. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Father, we give you the praise, we give you the honor, we give you the glory, we give you the adoration. We just want to thank you, Lord. We are coming back with, as people of gratitude. We are coming back as people who are thankful. As people who are not comparing ourselves with anyone else. But we are looking at, us, at Jesus Christ. And we begin to see what Jesus has done in our lives. We begin to see that Jesus did great things in our lives. They might not look great in the eyes of other people, but in, but in the eyes of the Lord Jesus, we know that you have done great things in our lives. And we just want to say you are great, and you are great, you are great, you do miracles so great, and there is no one like you, Jesus. You have done wondrous things in our lives. I can tell you now, people have put a high benchmark for you. But all you are thanking God for today is that you still have a job. Go on and be free and be liberated. Thank God for that job. It could have been worse. And get out of your high horse. They could have retrenched you this year. But look at you. You are going to have a great Christmas because you got paid or you are about to get paid. Thank God for that. It could have been worse. During the season, people are not paying business people because they are defaulting. They don't have the money, but your businesses have been paid. Thank God for that. Lebuamudi. And some of you, you really have great uh, testimonies and great miracles. God did great in your life. Thank God for that. Thank God. Have an attitude of gratitude. Be thankful unto the Lord. The only reason people are not thankful to the Lord is when they compare themselves to the next person. Let me tell you what I'm thankful for today. I think I'm done praying. Mamruti, you can come. I am thankful that I'm alive. That's it. That I, have, I had another chance today to preach the gospel. That's it. I don't know about...